0: Hi, this is Pastor Frank at Frank's Bible Study. I just want to welcome you to this Bible study. In this Bible study, we're going to be talking about time, God, and what time means to us and what time means to Him. So I want to first start out by saying that our conception of what God says in the Word of God and what we understand, we have to constantly keep ourselves open to learning more things, or at least in addition to what we already know, manifested by the Holy Spirit. And I understand that when we do have primary understandings about God, we talk about the Trinity, we're talking about the virgin birth, those things that I'm not referring to, those are foundations of the Christian faith, the Judeo-Christian faith. So my whole thing is, is being able to be open for more knowledge of what we know in Scripture. I know that I have been, even after studying the Bible for over 20 years, that I have been corrected and I've been reading new scriptures and things that have jumped out at me before that I didn't know before. So these are some of the things that I want to be able to say. Of course, I'm going to say in love, I'm going to say in wisdom and knowledge and the things that God has given me through the Holy Spirit. This is important, not just to only use your own head, but only to use the Holy Spirit. And then sometimes God will allow us to give us our personal insight on what it means to us in our experience. It's exactly how the apostles did it when they wrote the New Testament and how the apostle Paul did it. There's things where he said and there's things that where he was inspired by God. So we do, God does give us enough room for our personalities and our experiences to come into play in how we explain what we get from the Holy Spirit and the revelation of scripture so others can learn and to help teach them and correct and also to learn more about what, and like I said, in addition to what we already know, to make it that much more meaningful when we go out to witness and we go out on missions work and when we go out to evangelize and to preach and teach, it's very important that we convey the things in our personal walk, that there's nuggets of gold in the things that we say to help and edify God and glorify him. Now, when I first started out in the book of Genesis, now The book of Genesis, just in a nutshell, chapter one, chapter two, and chapter three. And as you move forward into the fourth, fifth, and sixth chapter, you're going to see how it starts to pick up. Now, what I mean by that is that the book of Genesis was written in the time of Moses. Either God was the dictator and Moses was the stenographer, or the Holy Spirit had given Moses, and then Moses was the dictator, and then you have a scribe or some kind of a person who is writing all this down as a stenographer. So, either way, we have to remember the time that the Torah was given. Now, the Torah was given to ex-slaves, okay? Moses was not a slave, but he's a contemporary of the servitude of the Israelites for 420 years, and it became ripe at about the 420-year mark. Moses was in the wilderness, as you recall, in, 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 the, in the Torah, about 40 years. And then he finally, God spoke to him in a burning bush. And then eventually he went to Egypt to do exactly what God told him to do. At the time, you're now talking to people that were more than likely illiterate. The only thing that they had was Genesis chapter 1 all the way up into Joseph, and then after Joseph died, they went into servitude. Now, this is important to know. They recycled that story over and over. But what they did know was that the Genesis story of the flood and how God made had Noah build the ark for salvation and then how he saved them there. That's one. The second one is how uh, Joseph was sold into servitude, uh, went to prison, and then became the second in charge of Egypt, became the vizier of the Pharaoh, and how that he saved Egypt, God through God, uh, God through um, Joseph saved Egypt by dividing up the grain for the years of famine. And this was also another aspect of salvation. So you have those two major stories of salvation, what was recycled and retold over and over and over and over and over to these uh, to the existing children of Israel at the time of the four hundred and twenty years of slavery, they're now exodusing they're they're in the book of exodus they're exodusing or they're exiting the bondage of Pharaoh and going into the wilderness now once they meet Sinai fifty days' later later, they get the Torah now remember in the first three to five books of the book of Genesis, it literally sounds like a first grade reading book. Why? Is because the children of Israel are ex-slaves and all they know is hard labor. Now, they worked for seven days out of the week for 420 years. They had no rest. They had no time to go to school. They had no time to study. The only time they really had was to eat, to sleep, and then tell the story of the flood and of Joseph as a faith um as faith in god now this is amazing that they kept the faith and the the time that moses came but they had he pretty much had to prove himself because of how long they've been in servitude and their faith some probably were lacking in it and others were probably holding fast and saying we need to wait for the lord to save us just like how he saved the uh, noah and how he saved joseph we could rest assured that he will save us too The more we cry out to him, the more, and sure enough, exactly what the Bible says, God heard their cries. Now, I don't know why it took 420 years, maybe because of Moses being who he is, Aaron being who he is, Joshua being who he is. We're born in the contemporaries of each other in order to be able to do these things. I don't know. Uh, God is sovereign. So that's up to him. The only thing I could do as an educated guess is maybe because there was nobody born in those generations that would actually be up for the task. I don't know. That's just mine. That's not Bible. That's just my opinion. Okay. Now, the other thing is, is that as you read uh, further into uh, the book of Deuteronomy, this is what it says. Now, this is the commandment that the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land in which you are going over to possess it. Now, the fact that Moses has to teach them that is something that either they obviously did not know, but on the other hand, they probably needed to learn to read and write. Now, Moses had the luxury of being in Pharaoh's court because of his sister, had the had schooling and had education. Now, he learned how to do all those things. He was educated, and this is something that you need to know. Now, the fact like I said that the that the book of Genesis in the first 3 to 4 3 to 5 chapters are very simplistic is for that reason. So reading in the book of Exodus chapter 1, you could read the narrative and where and how they became slaves of Egypt to the pharaoh. Now, also if we want to start reading about the and the reason why i'm even bringing all this up is because i want you to try to understand that this, the simplicity of the book of genesis was to the education level of, of the israelites is where i come up with the six literal days of genesis now the reason why i believe that it's six literal days is because god said it was now it's not and, and i believe that it, and based on this the fact that you it's like trying to give the a child the narrative of the New Testament and telling them, this is what I want you to read, and I, and I want you to understand it. And once you understand it, we can move forward. You try to give a first grader the New Testament and then have them read the four Gospels and say, you got it now? They're not going to get it. There's just too much information. But if you give them the creation story, it is very easy to understand there's not there's no double entendres there's no innuendos there's no type of um allegories and 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 there's, well not a lot anyway it's very straightforward okay because of the people who are reading it at the time that it was written now if when the child of a first grader when they start to grow and again, in the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, and you give them the New Testament, you're gonna have a different outcome. Now, as the children of Israel and the narrative grows later on into the book of Genesis, you're gonna see that it becomes more articulate. You could start seeing that they have grown in knowledge and wisdom from God following Torah and such, and you could just see how it ends up and how it goes into even to the book of Numbers, and it just there's a lot of information there. Okay, so let's get back to the six literal days. The six literal days of Genesis, As uh, I, um, when I read this, I want to be able to be uh, very patient and also sensitive because I know that there are two, two sides to this. The, there are people that believe that the, the days of Genesis are a thousand years and some that believe that it's a literal 24-hour day. Science proves that it's a 24-hour day, but the scriptures also prove that it's a 24-hour day. What's predicated off of something like the idea of a, a one day being a thousand years and a thousand be, years being one day is found in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. But I'm only going to read verse 8. It says, but beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Now, if we take that as rock-solid numerology or gematria or anything like that, we are going to run into some seriously serious contradictions when it comes to the rest of Scripture, when it talks about time. Now, if you read uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, you will see in the context that it's in, and it's really what it's doing. It's this Peter is obviously predicating this off of Psalms chapter 90, verse four. It says, for a thousand years in your sight are likely yesterday when it passed and like a watch in the night. So basically what this is referring to simply, what it's referring to is what it's like to be in having no time, but being in an eternity. So Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit, and God is from eternity's past. This is, we only understand because of a literal 24-hour days. They are in eternity, so a thousand years to them would be like a day, and a day to them would be like a thousand years. So simply, it's a description of eternity. Now, let's apply this logic of a thousand years and a day and a day to a thousand years. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 2, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now darkness says that there was no light, so therefore there's no measurement. What I can say is, is that in verse 1 and 2, that is an area where we can say that, that maybe that was eternity's past, and no one really knows the how long that took, and that is one thing that we can give up to say this is where we don't know. But what we can say is is that God created something physical. Now, the fact that he created something physical, and everything prior to that was spiritual, we could say that at least there some kind of time span can be measured. It's just we don't know how long. As we go into verse 3, then God said, let there be light and there was light. Verse 4 says, and God saw the light, and that it was good, and he divided the light from the darkness. Verse 5 says, God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Now, now let me reiterate that we are talking to ex-slaves for 420 years, more than likely illiterate, and they needed to be taught as we read in Deuteronomy. I really doubt that God would give, in the first three chapters of the book of Genesis, that he would give them a massive amount of allegory, types, shadows, although they are here. But it is very straightforward when it comes to the literal aspect of a day. Now, and I'll give you more scripture and more reasons, Ben, this is important that you pay attention because I am not trying to preach or teach heresy. I am trying to teach what God actually has written to his people. So I think this is pretty much the level of a second first or second grade reader. And it says then God said let there be light and there was light. Very simplistic. Verse 4 and God saw the light and that it was good. So God approved. And God divided the light from the darkness, the light from the darkness. Okay? So this this is something now I want you to understand too in this part where when God divided the light from the darkness, this is easy enough for a child to say, "Oh yeah," night and day. Verse 5, God called the light day, and darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Now, you would have to at least agree with me that from Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, there was an unspecified amount of time, but here in verses 3 through 4 or through 5, it specifically says, and these 3 through 5 is one Basically, one thing together. It's like three sentences are basically all factual in it. In it's between the three and five, go together, and they make up the logic and the reason for what God is trying to say here. Separating these are is not good. You have to read them together. Now, reading them together lets you know that this is a literal twenty four hour days, and I'll continue as I make after making this claim. Now, let's use the logic. As we read further down into the, into the Genesis chapter 1, when it comes to verse 11, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit trees that yield fruit according to its kind, whose seed in itself on the earth, and it was so. Okay, now, if we are believing that a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day— that means that for the six days of creation, one day was a thousand years, a half day, or at least the day and night would be 500 years of light and 500 years of night. Now, here's the problem with that. Exposing plants to a 500 years of sun would scorch them and kill them, Okay because there was no rain it the the, the the garden was watered from underneath from the mist and the rivers but that doesn't come later on until the end of this narrative in the first chapter so the water aspect might have been all over the earth but it wasn't watering the plants and if you put 500 years of sun in the first day it would wipe out all vegetation The other aspect to it is 500 years of night, they would die on the first day. So you see where I'm going with this? This is important to try to use wisdom, logic, and reason when we're trying to make uh, the thousand-year, one-day thing fit. Now, this doesn't happen just for one day. This happens for six days. So you're talking 6,000 years of creation. Now, this is important that you try to understand that if God took that long, to create everything then why did he rest only one day because that means he rested for a thousand years on the seventh day as we read in chapter 2 now so many so much can happen within 6000 years the narrative of abraham i'm sorry the narrative of the creation to abraham abraham to the end of the old testament to the book of Malachi, and then the time of Christ to the end of the apostles, and then from there to present time is 6,000 years. So the entire history of man in 6,000 years, and then you add another 6,000 years to that just because of creation, that's a total of 12,000 years. So we don't have archaeological evidence for 12,000 years is the problem. There's a lot more to be said about that. I'm only bringing up very surface things, but there's a lot of science you could add to this where it makes it impossible. Now here's the other aspect. When God rested on the seventh day is the reason why I believe that his love and mercy was on his creation because he gave it a 24-hour day which means that 12 hours is day and 12 hours is night, which is a type of Sabbath. It's a rest. So the plants actually get a rest from the sun for 12 hours. Animals, people, and every living creature has a rest. Now think about this. Now um, some animals are nocturnal and they rest in the day. So sometimes the rest is in the day. Now, we're talking about uh, big cat predators. They will hunt at night. Some will hunt in the day. It all depends on the type of uh, predator they are. But then the animals get rest from their predators at night, and some get rest from their predators in the day. So it is a type of Sabbath. Now, when the Earth, as we know later on, as we know now in the development of the telescope and of cosmology, we learn that the Earth accesses uh because of the seasons which gives the earth a rest so the dormancy of winter and then you have spring where it sprouts and then you have summer where it grows and yields all of its fruits and then it goes back into fall the starting of dormancy and it goes into winter dormant this is also a type of a sabbath god created that for the seasons those are the signs and then you have a daily Sabbath, which is the night and the day. Now you see how God works. This is a pattern in which he works through. And then also for us on the Sabbath is to observe a day of rest and to observe him. This is something that's done on a weekly basis. So I want you to see God's pattern here and why a thousand years to a day and a day to a thousand years doesn't make sense to a, a literal 24 hour day and everything that God has done in Genesis chapter one through three. Now let's switch gears. Let's go to Revelations chapter 20 verses 1 through 3. It says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal on him, so that he should deceive the nations no more, till a thousand years were finished but after these things he must be released for a little while now here we have the aspect of the serpent uh the dragon being bound for a thousand years now um does that mean a day or does that mean a thousand years and if it's to god then it's one day But if it's to man it's a thousand years so you have to try to understand that that whole aspect of one day as a thousand years and one a thousand years to is one day to god that is to god not to us okay so but if we base all our logic and wisdom on god as if we can limit him to that and that's how he operates we would be able to figure out prophecy so in Matthew chapter 24 is a chapter that I want to do an entire podcast. I don't know how many sessions that will take, but I definitely want to do on this whole chapter only because of the times that we're in. But after studying this, I started to realize in verse 36 of Matthew chapter 24, it says, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, also, were so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So, the days of Noah is telling us, you know, which is not compared to a thousand years each day, but it is telling us what it's connected to. It is connected to the coming of man. It's connected to judgment. It's coming to salvation. It's coming to deliverance. All these things take place within these two scriptures. Now, one aspect of this scripture is that nobody knows. No one knows, which means that God's timetable cannot be figured out. But if we use a thousand years, one day, one day to a thousand years, we will come up with a false sense of time. We'll come up with a false sense of the calendar and a false sense of seasons. Now, Jesus did say that how you know the end will come is by the seasons. Just how you know the seasons that are on the trees, how you know it's winter, how you know it's spring, and how you know it's summer and fall. That's how you'll know. You'll see the signs in which you will know the end is coming, but you won't know. So Jesus is making it very clear to us that the he's talking of multiple things here in these couple scriptures, but the reason why we don't know that time, and I'll give you the reason, I've said this over the years, that the reason why we should not know the time and we will not know the time is because we are sinful creatures. Just as Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, We would push the envelope all the way to the very last day, the last half an hour or the last 10 minutes of Jesus' coming, sin like the devil, and then we repent at the last 10 minutes of his coming. And then we would get, we'd live a whole life of debauchery and then get to go to heaven. That's not how that works. So this is, there's a lot. That's one. That's my reason. That's my personal reason why what God has given me is because of how man is and what I've read in the word. That's what we would do. We wait to the last minute and we wouldn't do anything for the Lord. And so there's a lot of other reasons. That's just mine. And this is something that we need to take into consideration about knowing when, where, and how God does things. What we do know, what we should be preoccupied is what he's already given us, which is the Great Commission. Now, the very last thing is the Sabbath. God said that he sanctified the seventh day because it is a day of rest. Now I won't go too far into it because I, it's, I'm doing another podcast that is going to, it will explain this, but I will give you just a tidbit and just a little bit of what I believe about the Sabbath and here in Genesis, the book of the first three chapters of Genesis and what God means about the Sabbath. He said to keep it holy. He said basically that this is a day that you are going to rest, that you don't do anything and that this is something that is important because I sanctified it. This is he, this is a day that He set aside. He set aside for us. Now, there's a lot of reasons in the Torah why this is an important day to do what he says to do. It even goes as far as that God actually gives a whole year of a Sabbath from growing things to give the land even a Sabbath rest for an entire year of the four seasons. And so God has not only us in mind, but he also has the creation in mind. Now, the Sabbath is very interesting In this aspect of a 24-hour day, God did not take a thousand years off, okay? He was in the affairs of man, because if we say that he took a thousand years off from doing anything, then Adam and Eve's life does not make sense in the chronology of what the Bible says, how long Adam lived. What happened in between the time of the the creation of Adam and Eve, the first man, the first woman... And the thousand years that God rested, there's no scripture that accounts for it. So there's a lot of reasons that the the Sabbath is important to understand because the Sabbath is actually the fourth commandment, or I'm sorry, yes, is the fourth commandment in the Ten Commandments. That would not make any sense if we were to say that the Sabbath was a thousand years Okay. This is something that's important that we try to understand. Like I said, I'm trying to do this sensitive. I've used the Bible. I've used uh, mostly 90 plus percent. I use scripture so that you, I'm not saying this out of my own mind and and, uh, carnality or my uh, intellect. I'm saying this from scripture. It's okay to disagree with me. It's okay to fact check what I say. It's okay to read the Bible, but this is what God has given me. And it's something that I want to be able to say, I want to be able to teach is what I do is what the gift of God has given me, and I want you to be able to critically think into your in your own faith and then you pray about it. you read and you ask God for the answers and if I don't mind correction, if you want to bring something new to me, if you even want to bring a comparative uh doctrine or something comparative that that you think it is, I'm perfectly okay with that, but at least I want to give two sides I want to give the side what scripture says, and I want to give the side of what man says. Either one, we can learn from both. All right. This is Pastor Frank at Frank's Bible Study. Amen.